This is Aaliyah S. King. Hey, what's up? It's Aaliyah S. King. This episode of Writing Practice has the most views that I've ever had since I've been doing this for the past couple years. And you will find out why very quickly. We're living in this really strange time. We're living in this time where corporations and brands and individual people feel like they need to show that they love black people. This episode I refer to as When the Negro Was in Vogue. It's an essay by Langston Hughes that was published in 1940, where he talks about how white folks during the Harlem Renaissance were doing anything and everything they could to have their own personal black folks doing their own personal creative art. I got an email from someone who made me feel like I was now one of those black people in vogue. Check it out. Enjoy writing practice. What's up, everybody? This is Aaliyah. Welcome to my Facebook Live, also known as Writing Practice. Let's get some housekeeping things out of the way that aren't important, but kind of are. Number one, I was trying to fill in my eyebrows this morning, and I ended up using mascara instead of the proper instrument. So there's a lot of nonsense going on here. Also, tried a new lip color. Hi, Porsche. I love you. It was a beautiful color, but the consistency was absolutely ridiculous. So I had to wipe it off and I don't have makeup remover here in the office. So I had to use like hand soap. So it's just, it's just, we have more important things to talk about. Um, so let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Today's topic is when the Negro was in vogue. It's one of my favorite essays from Langston Hughes. And he is sort of, I keep, if anyone can please tell me what year this was published or what year he wrote it, I spent forever trying to figure that out yesterday and I couldn't find when. I've seen a lot of places where it was published, but I haven't been able to find, it's in a lot of anthologies, haven't been able to find uh, when he actually wrote it. So he's looking back on the Harlem Renaissance. I don't know how far back or if he's still kind of in it at that time. Um, and he's just thinking about how white folks was just all about the Negro at this time. So the Harlem Renaissance doesn't exist without white patrons. And I hope that's not a cancely pro- pro- proclamation, except of course it's not. People know this. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston and uh, Langston Hughes shared the same patron. I want to say her name was Mrs. Osgood. I don't know. But there were a lot of women of means, white women of means, who sponsored writers and playwrights and artists. And of course you get that money. There was never, there was no such thing as like, oh, I'm not going to take any money from white people to make my art. No, you're going to do whatever you need to do to make your art. Um, So there were plays, there were, you know, uh, Langston says in the essay that more black folks got book deals than ever before or since. And it's the or since that I'm interested in. Um, it's the or sense that I'm interested in because or sense would have to include now. And I'm not so sure what is the ration ratio of black folks getting publishing deals 
um, between then and now. Are we going to start getting more book deals now? Um, I don't know. I guess we're about to find out. So this was born because I got an email from an editor at a mainstream read white magazine, very well known, been around forever. And it's a publication that I've pitched myself over the years. I've pitched every magazine on the stands over the years. I never received a response. And it was always kind of understood that this was a publication that just, I don't want to say didn't fuck with black people, but didn't fuck with black people. There was only one black woman's name that I saw in that magazine with any degree of regularity. And she's someone I know well and love dearly. And I remember in the 90s uh, picking up this magazine off the stands and seeing her byline in it. I think she had a column. And being just um, absolutely proud and kerflummoxed and confused. Like I was like, how is her name in this magazine? What did she do? She represented hundreds of black writers who couldn't dream of getting a byline in that magazine. I'm telling y'all, we used to actually like talk about it. Like I'll say her name is Samantha. Yo, you saw Samantha's piece and blah, blah, blah. Yes. It was so good. How does she get on? I don't know. But she told me that she met this editor at a thing and then she told her this and she pitched her and she just took the story. It was unfathomable for you to get a byline as a black person in this magazine. Unless you had some connections in a different way. Maybe you went to an Ivy League school. Maybe you had uh, friends growing up. Maybe you came from a wealthy area. Those those black folks, they did okay. But I, the regular black folks, the me's of the world that didn't go to journalism school at all, who came out of hip-hop journalism, wasn't happening. Can you turn my headphones up too? Uh, a hair? Mm-hmm. Or just show me where they are and I'll do it myself. Okay. That's Shane, y'all. Anyway, um, formerly known as Molly, but not known as Molly anymore. So I would see her in here month after month after month, and I would always be like, I can't believe this woman writes for this place. When I finally got a chance to meet her and know her, I remember asking her, like, yo, we used to look up to you because you were one of the first to pop out of our world and write for this magazine. And her face was like, Mm-hmm. And she spilled the tea on what it was like being there and all the nonsense that took place to write about people of color, to write about black people. Um, if nothing else, I hope this new world we're living in will will uh, allow us to stop um, stop saying people of color. I don't want to say people of color anymore. If you mean black people, say black people. If it mean Latina people, say Latina people. If you mean Indian people, say Indian people. If it's complicated to say all those names, then get over yourself and say all those names. Can we stop with the people of color? Just say all the people that you're talking about. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I just want to be black. I don't want to be of color. Jermaine, you and I are going to have to talk about that. And you know what I mean when I say that because I saw you sneak on here. Um. So we're in vogue, y'all. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're in vogue. So this woman hits me up and says, hi, do I dare like straight up, Shane, do you know where my phone is? Or my laptop? I think I kind of want to read the email. 
I mean, with you know, while leaving out some things that would make it clear what the publication is and who the person is. At first, I just went straight into freelancer hustle mode. Um, Y'all know I've been a freelancer for 21 years, and I don't know any other way to be except always on my grind. So I'm not one to turn down um, work. It's very hard for me to turn down work. Um, Okay, here we go. Y'all ready? Here's the email. Hi, Aaliyah. We don't know each other, but I'm an editor at XYZ, and I wanted to reach out to see if you might be interested in writing for the magazine. I can't tell from your body of work if you're a parent yourself, but I can absolutely tell that you're a marvelous writer with a ton of voice and style. I have a particular story that needs writing, for which I think you'd be a really nice fit. In an upcoming issue, we plan to feature brief but stirring profiles of some of the everyday people who've stepped up in a big way during the pandemic. I'm looking for a writer who can write short pieces that read like distilled, moving little gems and that get at the humanity of these extraordinary acts. I wonder if that writer could be you. If you're interested, let me know. And if not, hopefully we can find a better fit in the future. Thanks so much for your time. XYZ editor. Can anyone here, I'm going to be a teacher for a second, point out the first place in this email that made me side eye this whole situation? Is there anything here that made you say, wait, what? I'm going to give you all a minute and then I will share with you the first of several things that gave me pause in this email. Um, oh, while you're thinking about that, uh, that, Crystal, damn y'all, Crystal in there like that. She gets a homework pass. She's out of here. She is not doing homework tonight because she is in. Before we go to that, um... Melissa says she didn't know that Aaliyah didn't go to journalism school. I absolutely did not go to journalism school. I went to Rutgers University and I majored in education and African-American studies. And I was a teacher for four years before I left and went into teaching. Never a journalism class in my life, ever. My journalism school was writing. Um, And the only reason I made it as far as I did without a journalism degree is because I'm a hustler. I just want you to know, like I hustled my way into every job. I hustled my way into every assignment and I was just hungry. So Crystal said, what has this person read where they don't know that you're a parent? Oh, we got a couple of those. Ooh, Deneen, can I DM you for a second? Cause okay. Never mind. Deneen. Yeah. Thank you. Freezy, also known as P. Frank Williams, the executive editor, editor of the source during my time there just says she went to the school of the source and I damn sure did. And, uh, Freezy was the Dean of students. Um, so how do they not, how does this person not know I'm a parent? If you Google me, my bio says she lives in New Jersey with her husband and her two daughters. Yeah. That's not quite accurate, except it's about to be accurate again. I know I just never changed my actual physical bio, whatever. Either way, anything you read about, (laughs) anything you read about me is going to say I have two daughters. 90% of what I write at some point in the game, I'm going to say, and I told my daughter, and then my little one said, and then I was pregnant at the time, and then my daughter, y'all know Deneen Milner, right? She's on right now. You ain't never in your life heard Deneen talk about something that did not thread back to her babies, okay? 
if anyone were to ever come at her and say, I'm not sure if you're a parent, but she would just fall over in laughter. So Deontay says she doesn't know anything about you, but she reached out to ask you to write for her publications. We just reaching out to random black folks to write things now. That's what it is. Homegirl said, I don't know if you're a parent. Number one, how do you not know that I'm a parent? I talk about it all the time. Number two, why don't you look that up first? Let's see what happens if you look up Aaliyah S. King. What's going to happen if I look up Aaliyah S. King and mother? Or Aaliyah S. King and motherhood? Or Aaliyah S. King and parent? Is that going to come up? Because what I do know is when you look up Aaliyah S. King, the auto response will give you husband sometimes. Um, Because y'all nosy. Um, But mother, I'm going to assume... Yeah, I see four things that just popped up immediately. Um, one that re- re- refers to my mom and a couple that refers to being a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. I don't understand how... If you work for... Ooh, I almost caught myself there. Put it this way. This publication, it makes sense that she would find that out first before she reached out to me. So you're basically advertising the fact that you did not look me up. Why would you want me to write for your publication without figuring out who I am? I can't tell from your body of work. You really looked at a body of work of mine? Don't seem like it. But I can tell that you're a marvelous writer with a ton of voice and style. What's the problem with that sentence, y'all? A marvelous writer with a ton of voice and style. What is that? What's wrong with her saying, I can tell that you're a marvelous writer with a ton of voice and style. I'll tell you what's wrong with it. She ain't, she ain't read not one thing I have ever written. Because if she really did read something that had a ton of voice and style, she would have said a ton of voice and style. She would have said, oh, I read your piece on the Mean Girls Morehouse. I thought that was pretty cool. That's the kind of voice we're looking for don't even matter if she didn't really read it it's so super easy to find 500 things that i've written in the past 20 years but cherry pick one i've read i've read several things that you've written about your daughter who is 13 they're so on point i love it would love to get your voice here so one you didn't look me up at all and two you think i'm too stupid to realize that you didn't look me up at all and i'm supposed to be happy and joyous that you're reaching out to me. You don't even have to know anything that I've ever written. All I'm supposed to do is jump up and down because your publication pays a dollar and 70 cents a word and you are going to give me an assignment even though you don't know anything about me. Um, she would have been specific if she really knew anything about me. She said there's a particular story that needs writing for which I think you'd be a really nice fit. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the one that got Molly all like, what is she talking about? She says here, in an upcoming issue, we plan to feature brief but stirring profiles. Brief but stirring profiles. And at that, Molly just kind of raised an eyebrow like, okay, so she truly does not know your work. Because anyone who knows anything about me is that nothing I do is brief. Stirring, yes. Brief, no. Brief for me is a 2,000-word post on Facebook about my child and her first crush and learning how to ride a bike. That's brief for me. 
If you look up anything I've written online, on Level, on any place, I don't do brief. That's not to say I can't. It's not to say that I'm not a good choice for whatever this thing is that she's doing. But for her to say brief but stirring and think of me, like, ho, I wrote five books. They're not brief. Sorry, let me take that back. I don't want to call her out her name because that's not right and that's not helpful. Girl, I don't do brief. Um, yeah, right. While the white girls keep getting the real work. Yeah. The white girls will get the work that is custom made for them. The white girls will get, we read your book, girl, go wash your face or whatever that chick's name is. We think you can do this story. Oh, we saw your pilot of your television show. We think you'd be good for this. But for me, I get, I don't know if you're a parent or not, but I think you can write these brief but stirring profiles of people. Not me at all. Not me at all. Um, yeah. Ricardo said you write right. I like to think so. Although, I don't think that brief with stirring profiles make you not a writer writer. Um, it's not what I do. Um, but I'm not going to say that whatever it is she's assigning isn't worthy. But it ain't worthy of Aaliyah as King's pen at all. Um, Yolanda said it's actually crazy disrespectful. It's a slap in the face to you and your body of work. It is. It's really, really, Imani, I want to talk about that in another thing. Because the reason why, Imani just said I hated that book because I mentioned Girl, Go Wash Your Face. I think that's it. It was this huge, number one, huge book. And I followed it from afar. But yesterday she announced that she was divorcing her husband. And that seems to be a big thing in her world. So I kind of went down the rabbit hole of her. And the only thing I always knew is that I didn't like the way that title was. Girl, go wash your face. Just don't do the girl. Just say, go wash your face. I didn't like it. It didn't hit me right, but whatever. Um, I don't like it, y'all, but uh, see Tracy. Tracy said, translation in front of the book, which your work is waving on. That's exactly what it is. So we all know, not we all know, but in magazines you have front of the book, which is going to be 10 to 20 pages of short, quick, quick um, items. Uh, you have the feature well, which is going to be, you know, feature stories, two to 3,000 words, the cover stories in the feature well, all that stuff, and then back of the book, which is like the front of the book, except it's in the back. So she wanted me to write a couple 200-word stories in the front of the book, but I couldn't dream of doing the cover story, um, which doesn't normally have people of color on it, but they do uh, occasionally. So that's exactly what that was. Um there's more to this, though. Yeah. Denine just said it. Grunt work. That's what she wanted. Um, there's more to this. I have to be honest. After I read the email, before I read it fully, I emailed her back. And... I kind of, shoot, I can't find the reply that I sent her. Um, but I sent her back a quick reply and I said, thanks for reaching out. Yep, this is the kind of thing I do. This would be my rate. What's the story about? And I pressed drafts. 
just to put it in drafts and think over it a bit. Because I was already offended by it, even through the first read. But I also don't turn. It's very, very hard for me to be like, nope, principles. I am not going to. Y'all, I've been a full-time freelancer for 20 years. And I'm not a full-time freelancer for 20 years from turning down stuff. I've turned down less. I've turned down. I've done more offensive things than this. That doesn't sound right. But it's true. I've gotten more disrespectful emails that I said, well, this is a month's rent, so let's go. Uh, I've been trying to get out of that of late. I put it in drafts. I talked to Molly. I read him the email. I talked, thought about it some more. And I was like, I'm not doing this. The hell with that. I go back into my drafts. And guess what, y'all? I sent it. Did not put it in my drafts. I sent it by mistake. Um, did the math check would have been decent. And I said, there's just no way you have to email her back immediately and tell her I'm not doing this. So then the next question becomes, am I going to tell her I'm not doing this because you're full of shit? Or am I not telling her this because I just can't do it and someone else should do it. So I decided to go with the latter. Although in a way I don't want... I was torn between F you and your magazine and there's other people coming up behind me who need this, need this check, need this clip, need it all. So maybe I should think, you know, I don't want her to have no, none of our voices, but that's not really it. So I hit her back. Hey, I apologize. I'm actually not going to be taking this on. I have to do X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z. But can I please make some suggestions? And I gave her three women writers of color that I work with um, that I forgot to tell I was doing that. So I, I got to take care of that because two of y'all are on here right now. Um, see, Denise, I know you would have went straight for FU, but I've had, I remember years ago getting assignments because someone was like, I'm not doing this. Aaliyah, this might be a good look for you. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. But, and I was, and it was helpful for me. Um, so I gave her the names. If she's really about that life, then she's about that life. I gave her the names of three women, writers of color. And I said, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. She's a writer and a journalist, runs her own pub, blah, blah. This one is someone I work with at such and such, and she's great. Da-da-da. I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I hope I can help you amplify voices of black women moving forward. Hint, hint. Um... I didn't hear back from her. That was that was long enough ago for me to know she's full of shit. Because that email that I just sent you, you respond to that shit e fucking immediately. You respond if y'all are really about this life, you respond to me immediately and say, "Thank you so much. I'll reach out to all three of them and see what happens." Maybe it's not maybe they're not this story. But she didn't even respond to me and say, okay, I understand you're not doing the story. And thank you for the three writers. She didn't even respond. It's like I am now back in the ether where, I, where the fuck I was living for the past 20 years. Before you started staring in there into the abyss to try to find somebody. Because you don't want your brand to get canceled. It's disgusting. It's gross. And I don't like it one bit. And for the past week or so, with all the white folks doing things that make sense, 
I've been starting to be like, wait, maybe some white folks are doing the right thing. Is it performative though, y'all? Tracy said, is there a way to leverage this? Make a deal for a feature after doing this? I don't know, I'm just thinking because I get not turning down work. No, Tracy, you don't leverage with these people. And I don't make a deal for a feature because they wouldn't hold up to it. I'm not going to leverage my way after writing five motherfucking books. There's no way I'm leveraging my way to a feature at a parent's magazine. Ain't gonna happen. Me? Tracy, I'm not like saying that to you, but I'm just saying. That's what they're expecting. Why am I leveraging? Why am I leveraging at 46 and 20 years in this business? Since when? Are 46-year-old white women leveraging for a feature in essence after being asked to do a small piece in the front of the book? No, the fuck not. They're not. So I'll be damned if I'm going to leverage shit for a magazine that's beneath me. And who pays $1.70 a word anyway? What is that? Give me $2 a word. What are you talking about? $1.70 a word. Who's doing that kind of calculations? Is it pay my mortgage, rent, whatever, or not? And Tracy, you do have to turn down work. There gets a time, there becomes a time in your career where you have to turn MFers down, where you have to set the parameters for what you want and what you need, and you have to get it and not settle for less than that. Period. Absolutely not. I don't even pitch people. If I pitch something anywhere, it's because it's a personal thing for me that I want to do. And whether or not it gets accepted by XYZ Magazine or not, doesn't matter. I don't pitch. You come to me. If someone comes to me and says, hey, you want to write for us? And I say, sure. What's, what's popping? What y'all got? Oh, just send us some pitches. No, I don't do that. Mm-mm. That's not what I've spent 20 years working to do. I pitch within my job. I pitch within level. I'll say, hey, Jermaine, what do you think about this? But just random XYZ pub thinks I'm going to be pitching stories to them for what you are. A pitch means let me see what you would do because we're not exactly sure what you would do. You are very sure what you can get from me. It's not hard to figure that out at all. Is Toni Morrison pitching people at the end of her life? Am I Toni Morrison? No. But I'm not pitching shit either. Sorry. It's not happening. I'm not pitching any publication. If you call me with an assignment, I'll say yes or I'll say no. But you do have to start saying no at some point. And it is very hard to do. And it's still hard for me to do right now. I'm talking all this shit. Let me get an email this evening saying, hey, we'll pay you X, Y, Z if you give us some ideas. I'm always going to have to tear my arms away from the laptop because I'm going to be like, but wait, maybe this will be my chance to. It's still hard. No, absolutely not. I know for a fact that coming up in the game where, when, and how I did keeps me in a particular place. And I'm 100% fine with that. But don't think I'm going to jump through hoops to get to someplace else that I never wanted to be in the first place. Nah, that's not going to happen. So what y'all going to do? What are we going to do while we're in Vogue? Are we going to take on these assignments? I think there's a lot of people on right now who would take on that assignment from that magazine. And I would not blame you at all. All of us are in different places in our career. All of, our, of us are in different places in our finances. Truth be told, 
I have a day job right now. Take that out of the equation. And I might've had to suck, suck my teeth and do this story too. It was a decent sized check. The I'm privileged to be able to say no. And I don't know what that's going to look like in six months. I don't know what's going to look like in a year. I might be calling that chick back like, yo, no, I'm not doing that. But I understand. I understand. But if you don't treat you like you've been in the game for 21 years, then nobody else is either. And if I don't act like I've earned my stripes and I've done some great shit, nobody else is going to treat me like that too. And anybody, any editor from a national magazine that's been out for a hundred fucking years, if you have editors on staff that are hitting up writers and don't even know to name check their work, then do they even like, do we want to write there? I want to read you a text message that I got from one of my neighbors. Um, I haven't seen him in a while, pandemic, et cetera. And he says, Aaliyah, congratulations to you and Shane. I wish you both peace, health, and happiness together. May you thrive. So much has happened since we last spoke, personally and nationally. And might I say this country is seriously fucked. By the way, I read your a much-needed note to Black men piece and Shane's Your Fear of Blackness is Not My Responsibility pieces recently. Kudos. I'm reading. They're excellent pieces during these terrifying times. Keep them coming. Hope this finds you and all your loved ones safe and well, your neighbor. So why am I reading you this random text from my neighbor? Because he did a better job of censoring me and showing me that he's understanding what I do than somebody who's getting paid six figures to do it. I didn't tell him, I didn't send him a text to these stories. This dude is following my career and my partners, read some stuff that resonated with him and decided I'm going to let her know that I'm reading and I'm listening. He's white. So as a white person, I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm hearing what you're saying. So he is more up on my current work than a person who gets paid by a national magazine to find writers. But he's finding me in this world right now as a journalist. What is that? How is that possible? How is that possible? What are we going to do, y'all? What are we going to do about being in vogue? Is this the time? Should everybody be hurrying up and trying to get a book deal? Should we all be trying to shop scripts? Should we all be trying to pitch places we've never pitched before? And be like, hey, I'm here. You know it. Your resident black person has arrived. Should we just go for it? Deneen said, if you have editors just now getting around to inviting Aaliyah to write and they're offering, offering scraps, they're performing, not serious. That's the truth. And I kind of wish I was torn between curse her out, ignore her, give her some writers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that in the same email. I guess I could have. I wanted to do the curse out. Definitely didn't want to ignore it. Also wanted to put people on if possible. And I chose to put people on. And now I'm wondering. I don't know. I think that's the true test of how serious they are or not, though. Who? The, the editors? The, the editor in the magazine. Yeah, but my gut <clears throat> told me she wasn't. She didn't even respond. So, but that, that still, to me, is... The, I cannot respond to you and reach out to folks. If nobody of... If there's not a somebody on my level who's answer writing that piece, then we know what it is. The problem, right. the problem in my mind is 
the overshooting to get somebody on your level to write that piece exactly is twofold. One, it doesn't do anything for you, and nope. it doesn't give anybody who needs that space to yep. come into that space. That's true. There's she no definitely space. overshot. Like, why are you hitting me up to write small, tiny blurbs about the pandemic and things that happen? You should know the three people that I sent you. Right. But that's harder. It's easy to do black woman writer. Google it and even, find me at the top of the list. Even at a point where black writers and black media folks are so in demand, mm-hmm. the goal should are be... Are we? And this, this week we are, I think. Okay. Um, I think the idea would be to find fresh faces. So Ricardo said, I'm about to take this money. That's what I'm about to do. Somebody from a national pub hit me up last week. Ricardo, if you don't take that money... You better take all. I want all the money off. I want it on. Oh, I want everybody to take it. Take it. Okay, Geneva is in here, y'all. Black leaders in media. We are organizing. Please join the Slack channel. Geneva, it says um, server error. Um, but for those who are younger in the game, is there space for shooting your shot while we are in vogue and then being undeniably excellent once you're in? Okay, Tracy, here's the problem with that. They don't give a fuck about whether or not you're undeniably excellent. That's assumed. We're all undeniably excellent. They don't care about that. They care about what's in vogue. In vogue doesn't mean undeniably excellent. In vogue means this is what we're looking at right now. This is what's hot right now. It does not have anything to do with excellence. I wish it did. But let's say Vanity Fair calls you, Tracy. That's another one of those pubs that we all knew don't bother. Because they're not, just don't. And you get, hey, what's up, Joel? So let's say you are pitching Vanity Fair and you get an assignment and you're like, I'm going to do my very best. It doesn't matter. Whether or not you get in another assignment has nothing to do with how good that piece is. It could be horrible and you could get more work. It could be excellent and you could never hear from them again. That door can close shut. Let me tell you all about how Vanity Fair was, is, I don't know. I know they have more people of color there now, but I don't know. When I was at The Source, my uh, editor-in-chief my editor in chief wrote for Vanity Fair. When I tell y'all that that was the biggest news in black publishing people history, and people talked about that shit for years, uh, when that magazine came out, they had him on the, had the nerve to have him on the contributors page. I still have it. I turned to that contributor's page. They got choked up. One of us in Vanity Fair? And we're not dribbling a ball or holding a microphone? What? So it's real. This is very, very real. This idea that getting on in these places, the the opportunities can come and then they can, this, y'all think this is forever? You think we in vogue forever? The very idea of in vogue means you can come in in vogue and come out out of vogue, right? In vogue does not mean permanent. There's in and there's out. Do I think there's an out? I do. I do. I see people in my town putting up BLM posters on their lawn. And to me, it looks like what they did in 1968 in Newark when the riots came or the uprisings came and people would spray paint owned by black people on their stores to make sure they weren't harmed. That's what it looks like to me, y'all. These BLM signs on the picket fences and these big mansions, mm, are you really BLM? Or do you just want to make sure you're seen as BLM? 
That's what I see. So when I think about these publications and what they're doing now, are they really trying to amplify our voices? Or is that just the top line of a memo for this week? <laughs> Zinni said, I don't even wear trendy clothes. Um, I don't, I don't know, y'all. If anything, maybe this is a time that we're give, getting funds to do our own publications. Maybe that's what this time needs to be about. Yeah, we could get, we could definitely get put on at a mainstream read white magazine. Can we get the funds that we need? Is BLM strong enough to get the funds that we need to create our own publications? And don't come to me because that's not my thing. I'll write for the new place. But if y'all can, if you have the budget, I'm not doing it. I'm not starting no magazine. It's not me. I'm not. No, that's not it. Um, I'll, I'll no. I'll do. I'll come to the creative meetings. Um, but that's it. You know what's going to happen now, right? Well, There's going to be 17 emails. About so what? we were looking at doing. And we we're hoping you would. Um, Tracy said, we're not in vogue forever. I see this dying out in six months. Tracy, I give it two. I give this all two months. In two months, we will not be getting these calls and emails. In two months, we will not get our calls and emails returned from all these different places. One thing I'm going to try to do, I have a very wide-ranging job where I work. I work at level, level.medium.com. I've been there since we launched December 4th. And it's a place, uh, a destination for men of color, which I think we might have to, yeah. So it's a destination for men of color and it's 99% blackly black or people of color writing. And it's 99% for people of color, uh, men of color. And I have, sometimes I have the ability to amplify those voices. I am so behind at looking at pitches right now. Um, I mean, very behind. Because in 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 um, in addition to assigning pieces and editing them and get them up, I write a weekly column. I write at least one three to five thousand word feature every single month or every other month. Um, I have other little things here and there. Other writers that I edit. It's difficult to amplify those new voices. It really is. And I try my very best, but that's my responsibility. While we're in vogue, I need y'all to feel like you're in vogue with black folks. Like this in vogueness with them, is going to end. Your in vogueness with me will never end. I am always amplifying our voices. And I have for 20 years. Sometimes I'm not working at a publication and I'm just writing. So I don't really have that much. Um, but you know, I was the entertainment editor at Ebony Brought in as many writers as I could. Um, try to lead as many makeup artists and fashion people to those departments as I could. So anytime I've been in an editorial place, I've tried to make sure I do that. And I think I can do better. And if I'm telling them they're getting it wrong, I need to make sure that I'm getting it right. Um, that might mean that I need to talk to my editor-in-chief of how do we do better with um, getting new writers because a lot of the pitches that I get aren't good, aren't ready. And I don't have the time to say, hey, let me work with you on this because you need to do this and you need to do that. And that's what I need to work on as best that I can. Because it's not fair for me to sit in the place where I'm sitting right now and 
say to a writer, oh, this is not it, but I got, I got to help you. Because I don't want you trying to get on that GQ. I mean, if you get on a GQ, that's great. Go for it. But we're always going to be involved with ourselves. Always. So maybe we should be spending this time on that. Um, but again, if somebody calls you from, I don't know, wherever. Vogue, Vanity Fair, Esquire, GQ, um, wherever. Take the money. If it's, if it's for you and the pitch to you is more respectful than this woman's pitch was to me, Denise says send her a link to this. So <laughs> I already have the Etherbeat ready to queue up so I can make a hot reel of this. What's the Etherbeat and what's a hot reel? Nah, it's Ether, the Jason. Oh. <laughs> yeah, put that in, in the background. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do that, actually. But if, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. This this whole time frame just makes me really uncomfortable. Um, it seems like a knee-jerk reaction to things. Every single time I open my email, some brand is saying Black Lives Matter. And it makes me very uncomfortable because I know they're only doing it because they feel pressured to do it. They don't mean it. And then now the, the different companies are just like, I told Molly this. I got an email from Primary, which is a clothing company for kids up until like maybe eight, nine, or 10 years old. My child's 13, and I still haven't bothered to say, stop sending me these emails. Primary.com says a message to our clients from the CEO of Primary. And I'm like, here we go. So CEO of Primary says, I love black people. I've always loved black people. And we're going to continue to love black people while we're making clothes for black people. I have never seen a black person in an ad for these people. Like, never. Okay, that's not true. Rarely. It's clearly not a brand that was trying to get my dollars, even though I gave them to them anyway. But now they love black people. And they always have. You know who I'm talking about, Joel. You know who I'm talking about. We in the hip-hop journalism world had to live with one person busting out and writing for Vanity Fair for fucking 10 goddamn years, a pure decade. We're like, remember when so-and-so got that clip in Vanity Fair? Remember, remember, remember? That's just fucking sad. We were all capable of writing for any publication on the stands. It's just not designed for us. Just period. It's not designed for us. Publications only put on writers that fit the demographic of their staffers and the magazine themselves. So why would you ever? I have a particular, you know, I've studied and researched a lot about what I call hip hop journalism. Some people don't want to have that title for it, but I still think it works. Um, and there was a time when you were just devastated if you couldn't get a story in the source. Forget a, a cover, but just a story, just one page. And over time, rappers and singers started to need the source and vibe and double XL less and less. And I've always been able to pinpoint the moment where hip hop journalism was no longer relevant. It was in 2005 and Vanity Fair did their usual black music issue. I mean, music issue and Beyonce and Jay-Z were both on the cover. I have pinpointed and Jay-Z 
never returned to hip hop journalism coverage after that. You never saw him on Vibe. Never saw him on, at least not for a shot. You could use a, a photo, like a stock photo or whatever. Didn't do Source. Didn't do Vanity. Um, didn't do Double XL. Didn't do, it was over once he got on the cover of Vanity Fair. Now, Jay has always been about, you know, moving up, moving forward, moving here. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? He's always been aspirational. Um, his whole vibe has always been aspirational. Um, he once told his staff that he would pay a six-figure bonus to the first person to get him an interview with Oprah Winfrey. It was aspirational. Black or white, it was aspirational. Um, and he did it. Oprah came to the projects. You know, he shouts that out in his song. So for a lot of us, once our publications weren't in vogue anymore, we didn't have anywhere to turn to. Where am I supposed to write if Jay doesn't want to do a story for the source? Where am I supposed to write if Beyonce is not doing a story for Essence? Once our big, huge celebs left for mainstream journalism, a lot of us were just stuck. Uh, Joel said, if you pitch him a bomb crime story researched, uh, yes, Joel, you better tell it. Oh, let me back up a little bit. Cause what I've been talking about all this time has been, if you're trying to write about music or pop culture or parenting or all that stuff, if you want to write about true crime, they just might give you a shot. If you're going to give them some trauma porn about a poor black child who went to jail for 75 years and got out and died the next day. Pitch it to a men's magazine. You might just get yourself your first clip in a big, huge mainstream magazine. Better if it's you. Even better. If you go to them with trauma porn, you can get an assignment. Period. They, they, they will let you in that way. Um, so I, what, I definitely thank you, Joel, for correcting that. Because um, there are places where they want us in. And true crime is one of them. Especially if we're writing about ourselves. Um, so it's just, for me, I'm particularly, you know what I just remembered? My boss at the source who got that clip in Vanity Fair, he went to Princeton, which kind of, you know, I said, you're likely to be able to make those moves more if you are Ivy League or you come from a certain socioeconomic class. So, um... Actually, I don't think, I think he just really, I don't think that was really the case for him because he still was us. He was very hip hop journalism, but whatever. Um, one place I have to shout out, not mainstream and not white, but the Village Voice, I call the birth of hip hop journalism before the source, before Vibe, before all those places, all the places that either created or wrote for or mentored all those um, hip-hop journalism magazines came out of the Village Voice, almost all of them. That was always a really nurturing space um, for writers, and a lot of folks who came out of there went everywhere, mainstream or not. Um, kind of like what happened, Tracy says, kind of like what happened with integration. Black folks with money rolled out, left poor black folks to figure it out for themselves. <sighs> And Joel says, and it's a huge check. Do y'all know how much these places pay? pay? I'm going to run down some numbers to you. I don't know what the 2020 numbers are. But in my day, 
some of these may like Hearst, Condé Nast, whatever, they're paying three, four, five dollars a word for just like whoever coming in. Not even talking about the big name people who've been there forever. You're really making five dollars a word, possibly. I was working on a feature for Vibe magazine in the early two thousands. I went in to talk to the editor in chief about it. She was a mentor of mine. I don't think Danielle would care. Danielle Smith. Danielle sat me down, said, what's your goals for the next five years? And I told her. And she said, what are you working on now? And I'm saying, and I said, I'm doing the Bow Wow Ciara cover story. And it was sort of a big get because they had not discussed being a couple. It was sort of like an open secret, but to do a cover story and they're hugged up together. Um, And she said, that's dope. What are they paying you? Now, this is her place. This is where she works. But she's not in the weeds assigning the cover stories. And I said, a dollar fifty a word. And I may have even clapped like a seal after that because that was a whole lot of money. And she said, no, I said a dollar a word. And she said, no, it's $2 a word. And I was like, it is? She said, it is. And don't ever write for less than $2 a word. Not here or anywhere else. And I was like, okay. So I sweated over sending that email. I mean, it's her people. It's her own editors. But editors have to get the less, you know, they have to make budget. So no, they're not going to, if I'm excited about a dollar a word, they're not going to tell me I can get two. So I was like, hey, y'all, so uh, I'm going to need $2 a word for this story. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, shit. The story was 3,000 words. That was a very cute check in 2005. This was 2005. And from then on, I did not, you know, work for less than $2 a word until the recession and then dot-coming and whatever. Um, so at that same time, most publications, most mainstream publications are paying between three and five dollars a word, y'all, a word or more or more. Ten thousand word story, four dollars a word, five dollars a word. You do the math. Yes, those are kind. Of, those are the kind of checks that were getting cut. And while we're over here getting pickle juice, do y'all know about pickle juice? Do you know about pickle juice? Nicki Minaj and pickle juice. No, I'll save that story for another day. It's great. I know an entirely different pickle juice story. <laughs> I can't believe you. Um, Janine said the number, the numbers for us are the same as they were in the nineties. Damn it! Actually, they're probably lower, Janine. Um, I'm just seeing the digital numbers coming back up to something that's like sustainable to eat off of. Um, but for the most part, three to five. Melissa said, "This is the combo that I need from our white allies." And it's true. So I have this whole new setup that Molly has lovingly put together for us in the studio is coming together really well. And one of the things I'll be able to do super soon is like have guests on. And that's that's what's going to have to happen. Ooh, y'all, that's what's going to have to happen. So all these folks that I love that are in my Facebook family who are saying, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? Um... So, Deneen, can I just, damn it. Um, This is what you can do, Joe Schmo person. Come on to my Facebook Live and talk to folks about what's going on, about whether or not the Negroes are involved. Can I get a white person in publishing to do a Facebook Live with me where the topic is the Negro is in vogue and have somebody talk about their need for black writers and what they're going to do about it and how long this is going to last? Would anyone do that? 
Good Lord, y'all. Denise said, in fact, while I'm thinking about it, the three times I wrote pieces for white publications, it was only because a black editor snuck up in there and opened the back door. And that's with 32 books, an imprint, a TV show, and 32 years in the biz. Yep. So I'm going to just say that Deneen was one of those people that we would see on the masthead in the contributors page, in the pages, and be like, mind blown. Like, I'm talking early 90s? What even? How is this? How does she do it? And of course, because of that, she has become a black editor opening up the back door very often. And I can speak to that myself. But, and that's my job. I'm trying to open up the front door, not the back door. Um, but it's difficult. Where's our white person, y'all? Who we gonna get? Can y'all fan out? If you used to listen to Wendy Williams back in the day, whenever some type of gossip was going on, she would say, all right, y'all. I just heard that Puffy and so-and-so is gonna be at the club. I'll meet you there. Fan out. Fan out. Fan out. Or shoot the shot. Where's the white folks? Yes, Tracy, I did see Share the Mic Now. I think that's dope. That's starting up today, I think. It's essentially what you're talking about, but in reverse. White women are opening up their social media platforms to black women. Yes, I I think that that is great for what they're doing, for that type of activism. But for media, I want to see some black... I want to see... I want to talk to the white people who are in the spaces signing the checks, assigning the stories. That's what I want. Because I'm, I'm, I'm angry that this woman didn't respond to me when I said, I can't do the story, but here's three women that can. She could at least lie. She could at least say, thank you so much, and I'll see what I can do with these three. Tell them they can uh, contact me. I should tell all three of them to pitch or something. No, I'm not going to do that. That's just, right? No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, not if you're thinking it's not going to amount to anything because now you're taking their time to prove a point. Yeah. Yes, Melissa. Let's look at these balance sheets, please. Okay. Oof. I'm warm. I didn't even drink my coffee, y'all. Well, I have three minutes. Any questions? I feel like I just ranted for an hour, but I enjoyed it and it felt good. And I think we should talk about this again at some point. And of course, those of you listening um, to writing practice, I thank you always for listening. This conversation, y'all, is a podcast on Spotify and Stitcher and iTunes and all the places that you can get podcasts. So if you missed any part of this, you can listen to it starting probably up like next week next tuesday uh i'll push this through faster because we we have been doing a mix of archives and new stuff but i'm given that this is very topical i'll make this for next in the meantime go to wherever you get your podcast and put in writing practice alias king follow it so you'll get the alert i just made that up is that a true thing follow it so you can get the alert that a new episode is up follow the podcast can't you follow podcasts on what on whatever like if I have Spotify. You can subscribe. Subscribe. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Go subscribe to the podcast and 
You can listen to it. You can share it even. This is, share it, y'all. Trying to give you a, what does Jay-Z say? Trying to give you some something for $9.99. Some game. Trying to put you on game for $9.99. Before we get off. Before we get off. I'm adding a link. Uh, to rate the podcast on Apple oh, yeah. and all Do the that. other places. Do that, y'all. Um, Joel, just we're wrapping up, but there's going to be a link in here for it's, rate it's the podcast. There it's there now. Um, I would love it if you guys would rate and just tell me what you think. Um, we've been doing this for a while and nothing but five stars. You can tell us what you really think I in mean, the email. Right. No, of course. I Please. gave you five stars, but, uh... but even more than stars, I really appreciate comments. I really like to hear like what people really think. And I expect you to be honest. Like the sound is this, but Aaliyah's head wrap was, was really distracting me or whatever the case might be. Her lipstick was off. I, I like, I like um, commentary. That's that how podcasts work. Danine is authorship guru. All day she is. All day. Um, okay, guys, I got to go. I have a meeting in literally 120 seconds. As Wendy Williams used to say, she was in radio. I love you for listening. I'll talk to you later.